preseason game three for the Pacers in the books and the first victory. Tyrese Halliburton returns. Some important questions answered. Who shined? Who didn't? And more. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking about the Pacers' first preseason victory. They beat the Atlanta Hawks Monday night, 116-112. That was sort of reflective of the game that actually happened. It was really all about the second quarter for the Pacers, and we've got a lot to get to. Tyrese Halberton played for the first time. Miles Turner was back in the lineup. The rotation was different, both of the result of those two things, and in general, some changes. So we'll talk about the same stuff we've talked about after a lot of preseason games. The big questions the Pacers are going to be answering after every game. Who looked good? Who didn't? How did the rookies look? And all sorts of other stuff that pertains to both this game and why the Pacers won. And looking forward at what it could mean for real regular season games. Because, believe it or not, we are barely a week away from the Pacers regular season being back. It is so freaking close. So we start... By answering questions, we'll get to Tyrese Halbert in the second segment. He was awesome, as expected. But the big questions, and the big one, especially with Tyrese Halbert back, the starting five, is it what was expected? And the answer is yes, for the first time. No loopholes. No TJ McConnell playing because Halliburton's out. No Daniel Tice playing because Miles Turner's out. All five of the expected starters played and worked together. It was Halliburton, Matherin, Brown, Toppin, and Turner. That seems like it's going to be the five entering the season both because they've rolled with it this far into camp and the preseason, and because, at least in the sections that we can see, it's been pretty good, right? Today, that group did well, especially at times in the second quarter, and to open the third frame, they look connected. They've got a big group. Obi Toppin was a plus 19. Tyrese Halliburton was a plus 14. I'll pull up all of their individual, or I'll try to, excuse me, find the individual um, lineups if I can really quick, but... That was a good group. It looked fine, and that was a big point of intrigue for Rick Carlisle before the game as he really wanted to see what that lineup could do, what it would look like, how it would gel, and all the guys involved that we got to talk to after the game uh, were happy with how it looked. So they played 9 minutes and 57 seconds. That starting five did today. Uh, They were minus one in those moments. 29 points scored, 30 allowed in 40 possessions. Great shot quality for them. They scored very well, 80.6% true shooting. They gave up only a 62.5% true shooting, but the difference is the number of shots and number of free throws in those lineups. Fouls were a huge problem, believe it or not, for the Pacers early in this game. So they'll be happy with the process, especially if they're getting that kind of true shooting percentage over a 10-minute spin of a game. Their defense has to be better. That's something Carlisle called out after the game, is that that group needs to defend better. The fouling continues to be a problem, but it seems like a group they're going to roll with into the regular season, we got to see it for the first time. Question two we've been answering after every preseason game. Who's the backup five behind Miles Turner when he plays today? A new one once again. It's been different kind of every game. Isaiah Jackson was the backup five the first two games, but Daniel Tice started one and Miles Turner the other, so it wasn't really clear what the center rotation was today with everybody but Andrew Nemhart available. The backup five was Jalen Smith, who earned that spot. He was fantastic in Houston, didn't miss a shot. He was a bully on the glass. He just looked a little better. And he was better than Tyson Jackson in that game. 
even after Jackson's option got picked up over the weekend, Jalen Smith was the backup five in this game, a well-deserved opportunity. They've talked about earning it, right? For minutes that are available from camp competitions, someone's going to have to earn it, is the phrasing that the Pacers have used. Jalen Smith earned this chance to be the backup five and prove it. And hey, he was pretty good once again. He only attempted one three, but he made it. He was four for six in the field, seven boards, led the team. In fact, only got on the team with more than four rebounds in this game was Jalen Smith. So he was good on the glass uh, and had two blocks, plus six in his minutes. A lot of bench players did not have good plus minuses in this game. Jalen Smith did. He had uh, a solid impact once again. Had to play a little more because Turner fouled out. He played over 20 minutes in this game and was solid. Jalen Smith, I, from what we can see, both you, a, a listener to the show and a watcher of the Pacers, and us as media, Jalen Smith seems to be the guy in the lead for the backup five spot through three preseason games, both because he had the best game as a third stringer and because now as a backup, he had another good game. Uh, third thing that we've talked about after every preseason game, some of the new Actual NBA players, non-rookies, what did they do? How did they look? Obi Toppin, this was a big source of intrigue for me personally. How would he look, one, with Halliburton, and two, in general? This was, take out the Halliburton part for a second, his best preseason game, definitely. Uh, he blocked a three in the first quarter. It was one of his best defensive plays. He took a, his defender off the dribble, crossed over, and then dumped a pass in the paint to, I believe, Ben Matherin for a layup. Uh, he was guarding Jalen Johnson, who might not sound like a tricky matchup, but he has been Jalen Johnson's been killing it in the preseason. I'm gonna open his NBA.com page uh, to prove it, but he guarded Jalen Johnson moderately well. Jalen Johnson, two for eight in this game, three rebounds and three assists, and top and shut him down. Uh, okay, so here's Jalen Johnson's preseason so far. For, uh, his most recent game before the Pacers was 5-for-9 with 12 points in 17 minutes. Before that, he was 6-for-7 with 14 points in 17 minutes. Right, He's been playing well and making shots. He was 40% from the field in the first game, 25% today. So his worst outing, his lowest scoring outing, uh, his lowest rebounding outing, and his lowest assist outing all in the same game. And Obi Toppin was guarding him for much of the game. So Jalen Johnson, not a guy you'd consider a hard matchup. Definitely the easiest one he's had. Him and Jabari Smith are debatable. But Toppin did better, right? So in general, a lot of that stuff was improved. And in the Halliburton section, I'll have more on Toppin because they had a few very interesting plays linking up in the pick and roll. But the, the way that Toppin puts pressure on the rim was clear, but blocking the three, the slick pass, in general, Toppin fit in a little better than I think he has in the last games. His defense was better than it also was in the first games. He finished with seven points, three rebounds, that one assist, two steals, and a block. And like I mentioned at the top, plus 19, a team high for the Pacers. His minutes went phenomenally for this team. Let's go to Bruce Brown. Um, unfortunately, this keeps happening. My big source of intrigue for him, who was he going to guard? Uh, DeJounte Murray, a Trey Young, or is he going to be the guy kind of roaming away from the play where Matherin and Halliburton have to deal with those guys? The The Hawks are a little unique in that Trey, Trey's shorter. It's like you can get away with some different stuff that you couldn't against some taller guards. Uh, but I wanted to see who Bruce Brown was on, and those guys didn't play. <laughs> Trey Young didn't play, and DeJounte Murray didn't play for the Hawks. So Bruce Brown ended up guarding... Bogdan Bogdanovich, which was less helpful for analysis. Tyrese Halbert was on, Kobe Bufkin, um, and Benedict Matherin was on. I forget who their other backcourt starter was on. Oh, DeAndre Hunter, that's right. So uh, that's kind of size-related to me. Like It's hard to say who their point guard was, but I would say it was Kobe Bufkin a lot of the time. So that was close to just straight-up matching, but the Hawks didn't have their best player. So it's hard to say what that meant. That's been the thing I've been most curious about with Bruce Brown 
in these games. I know he's going to be solid. He hit half his shots in this game. He hit 40% of his threes. And notably, I guess I'll talk about this now because I have a note for it. Four assists for Bruce Brown because this game, he sort of slotted into this Buddy Heald role from previous games of being the secondary creator with the second units. And I liked those lineups. I thought him and McConnell together was a good pairing today. Uh, and those groups did well. In fact, in the second quarter, especially when the Pacers just blew this game open, that second unit in particular, was effective before the Pacers went on a crazy run that we're going to talk about later as well. There's a lot to get to today. This game had a lot of stuff of intrigue that I want to talk about more. Uh, the other two things that we've been talking about every game, Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard, the rookies, the new kids. Very interestingly, Ben Shepard ahead of Jairus Walker entering the game today. Shepard played in the in the normal guys rotation in the first half and second half and walker didn't get in until the third quarter um however their performances certainly suggested that that's where they should be in their rotation the more experienced and older shepherd who they picked 26th got in for a lot of the game and he was three for eight from three and he had four rebounds and he just shoots it so well he moves off the ball so effectively he continues to be very impressive for the pacers and is earning this time on the floor to prove that hey maybe i should be a guy that you consider for the rotation this season, Pacers. I don't know how the heck they could squeeze Ben Shepard into there or who they would kick out or how that would work, but he is certainly making his case. He continues to be a great shooter on a team that likes shooting. He continues to give effort on defense. Uh, I have no idea what that's going to translate to in the regular season if he even is playing in the regular season, but Ben Shepard's had an awesome preseason, and he did once again today. Jairus Walker didn't get in until the third quarter. Uh, he played with the starters at first and then played a bunch of the second half and a bunch of units, and the Pacers got their butts kicked in his minutes. He was a minus 24. They had to hold on with him out there. Um, so here's what I think Jairus Walker did in this game that was the most poor thing he did. He went to the floater a lot, a lot on his drives. He could get by the first line of coverage pretty well, like four, five, six times, sometimes on the short roll, and that's good. Right, but you got to be able to like, a play from there. And he made some passes. Like I feel like I'm talking too nicely though. He went too free. He only had one assist. He went. He had the first time he went to the floater. The man guarding him sagged off and went under the basket. And that's like when you go to the floater, you have a ton of space for it. And he didn't go all the way under the basket. Like it was the right shot to go for the floater. The second time he went for the floater, he could have gone closer to the rim. And then he kept going to it in moments where. You'd like to see a guy like Jairus Walker be more aggressive in attacking the paint, and the floater wasn't falling. He went two for eight in the game. So that was something that I kept thinking, oh, I wish he would take one more dribble or go one step closer into his man. He's huge. He's built like a linebacker. Make that play. It wasn't happening for him in this game. Not a good night for Jairus Walker after his awesome, awesome, dynamic first preseason game, two that he would like to have back in a row, 0 for 2 from deep in this one. And the last thing from every preseason game that we're watching Benedict Matherin fitting in. Yes, this is this was the first time with the full starting five. He was four for six from the field and four assists, including a beauty where he was coming right at our media seats. I mean, we're way up, but like directionally. And I, you could see him. He looks at Bruce Brown and he looks who's on the wing. I can't remember who it was. And the defender guarding both of those guys had to X out, right? So whoever Matherin throws the ball to, the defender's going to run to to close out. And then someone else is going to go to the other guy. And that's their plan to stop two guys with one defender. So Matherin looks at Bruce Brown in the corner and then looks to the guy in the wing. And so the X out defender goes to the guy in the wing because Matherin's staring at him. And then he throws a no look to Bruce Brown, wide open three. And Brown actually missed it. But that kind of stuff is not stuff Ben Matherin was doing last year. The, finally, this game, the numbers showed up with the four assists. His passing has been way, way, way better 
in the preseason, and that is something the Pacers will hope carries into the regular season because that would really change his outlook and four assists, zero turnovers for Matherin in this game. Four for six with nine points, and that stat line is the exact kind of growth the Pacers want to see. And I asked Tyrese Halbert about the starting five after the game. He said, I want to personally find more ways to get Ben Matherin the ball. So about a lot of stuff to like about Matherin's game, and the Pacers certainly think they need to get him more involved. So the big questions were answered. The rotation was largely what was expected outside of Shepard being in there uh, instead of Nemhard, and then Jarris Walker not even being in the top 10 guys to play today, at least in the first half, was interesting. We'll see what happens in Game 4 on Friday. That was a long segment, but a lot of questions to answer for this Pacers team. Tyrus Halberton returned. Lots of other key things to talk about. Let's keep rolling through this Pacers preseason victory. Really quickly, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In life, sometimes... You got to know what's good for you, but your brain can get in the way. For me, sometimes that can happen with exercising or just in general, prioritizing the right things on a given day. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do and what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what is holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma or anything of the sorts. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash MBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MBA. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Jump on over to Lockdown Hawks to hear about that team from Brad Rowland. The Hawks, a team the Pacers would like to catch in the standings someday, perhaps even this season. Hawks look good in their preseason games when they had all their guys. Brad Rowland will have more from the Atlanta side of this equation. Let's talk about Tyrese Halberton. He was back, and guess what? He led the Pacers in points and assists. Who would have thought? He's pretty good. Um, he went two for seven from deep. If that didn't happen, let's say he went three for seven from deep, which is a good percentage, then he would have shot over 50%, shot over 40% from deep, gone five of six in the line, and had eight assists. Like It was like one three away from the very perfect Tyrese Halliburton return game where he looks exactly like everybody remembered, uh, but the shooting was not quite there, right? Two for seven is certainly substandard for Tyrese Halliburton, but there are no questions about how he's going to look this year, what he's going to be like. I think that he has a little more awareness of his importance to the team just from the way he's talking and the way he's being talked about. And I think that's a good thing, right? That is generally a good thing for him to know every day. I hope it doesn't lead to too much pressure for himself. He's still a young man, but um, I think that that is a good thing for him to realize. Like, hey, me being me is very important to this group and him being him today was mission critical for the Pacers. They win for the first time when he plays. That is not a coincidence. Now, of course, everybody knows what Tyrus Halberton is, what he can be, how he can make the team better. And hey, he returns and they instantly shoot better from three. But the other thing is the Obi Toppin part of this to me. I think he's going to fit with Bruce Brown no matter what, just because I think Bruce Brown can fit with basically any lineup as he's shown in his career playing point guard for the Pistons and then off ball guard a little for the Nuggets and center for the Nets and sometimes backup point guard for the Nuggets and also sometimes as a four in there randomly. He's played every role. We know what he can do. I'm not curious about his fit with Tyrese Halbert. I'm curious about Obi Toppins because on paper it's perfect, but we've never seen Toppin in a scenario like this with a spread out floor and a dynamic passer, and they should be an awesome fit. And so I want to talk about the very first Tyrese Halbert and Obi Toppin pick and roll that we saw. 
pretty early in the first quarter. The score on the play was neither of them. It was Miles Turner. And here's what happened. There was a pick and roll, obviously, at the top of the key. Um, I'm trying to find the exact moment. 10.46 to go in the first quarter, right? So this is super early in the game. Um, and Obi got the rebound on the other end. So there's a pick and roll at the top of the key. Halberton goes left around it, and Obi Toppin comes rolling down the paint. And he, the screen was great, so he already has a step on his man because the Hawks tried not to switch. But because they're trying not to switch, they're going to bring guys from the weak side to help just in case. So Miles Turner's man on this possession squeaks in under the basket. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to do what we talked about earlier, which is the X out. And he's going to try to run to the shooter either in the opposite corner or on the opposite wing in case Tyrese Halliburton whips the ball over. He needs to be the guy to get to there first, and someone else will come help with the other guy. So Tyrese Halliburton turns and sees that Obi Toppin is ahead of the guy that was guarding him and has already drawn in help. So Bogdan Bogdanovich is guarding two players. So what does Tyrese Halliburton do? He looks at Obi Toppin, and then he fires a perfect cross-court pass to Miles Turner in the opposite corner, and you can't help off of Miles Turner because he's a great shooter. He hit three, He was 3-for-3 three three from deep in this game, and Turner buried the corner three. Bogdanovich was late rotating because he tried to steal the pass, which if that didn't happen, I would have been curious what was next. But like part of what makes the Obi Toppin-Halliburton connection lead those that because Toppin can put pressure on the rim, other guys are open. Right, you have to think about the backside of that play. And the thing about that play that I just described is you could flip the bigs and put Toppin in the corner, and it would work similarly well. Right, Turner's not the vertical threat Toppin is, but he has better post moves. So that was really encouraging to see. And I think it was two possessions later for the Pacers. It was exactly one minute later on the clock, actually. One minute and two seconds. Obi Toppin scored on a leak out. Um, and it wasn't that it was a leak out where Tyrese Halbert threw a hit-ahead pass to him and he scored. It was after a make. <laughs> the Hawks scored. It was crazy. Bogdanovich scores uh, with 9.51 to go. And then a 9.44 to go, Toppin scores an assisted layup from Tyrese Halburn because the Pacers threw it in. Halburn turned and just launched it up the floor. Right? That's how they want to play. They're trying to hit ahead and play fast. And that's where Toppin and Halburn can really connect. Those two early plays in the game really were a microcosm of what I'm looking forward to seeing from them is how that that early offense can work, how their connection can make things easier for everybody else. And so Toppin played well, Halliburton connected well with him, and Halliburton connected well in general with everybody. Halliburton was also part of something else I want to mention from this game, and that was the best lineup the Pacers had in this game. Um, Dustin Dopierak has been great in all of recovering this. He's talked about how the Pacers' best offensive five and the Pacers' best defensive five might only have one overlapping player. In Miles Turner, in this moment, uh, the five-man unit that was out there, this was in the second quarter, was their offensive five, right? Uh, it was, uh, I'm trying to find this in my notes. So for some reason, I dragged it too far away. Okay, second quarter, 6.38 to go. It's 48 to 40, and in comes Tyrese Halburn, Buddy Heald, Ben Mather, and Obi Toppin, Miles Turner. So the starters, except Buddy Heald's in for Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown's a good offensive player, too. But I think the lineup I just described is probably the Pacers' most potent offensive unit. So remember, they were up eight with 6.38 to go in the quarter. That group went on a 17-6 run in the next four minutes. And the Pacers were up 73-46 to at halftime. So they went on a 25-6 run as a team. The only sub that broke it up being Jalen Smith coming in for Miles Turner because of foul trouble. That group kicked butt. That was like the difference in this game. I'm going to try to find the exact numbers on it uh, on this on this thing really quickly. 
Actually, that didn't take me long at all. Turner healed Toppin, Halliburton, Matherin. Four minutes and 39 seconds of playing time, 24 possessions. Yeah, that was the whole time they played together. 17 points scored, six allowed for a plus 11. Their shot quality was ridiculous. Their true shooting percentage was 85%. Their defense was unsustainably good, but like that group was so good, and Halliburton led it very well in a way that you go, wow, if they can lean on this for five minutes a game like that, and it's going to be like that, that's fantastic. They won't defend that well, but they couldn't be stopped. They were literally unstoppable. So really good moment there that broke the game open. Pacers were up 25 at halftime. They did not play well in the second half uh, as their rotation shifted, and lesser players came in. They were bleeding the lead the whole time. But they did just enough. They had a nice stretch in the middle of the fourth, and then Jordan Wara hit some big shots at the end to hold them off. But that second quarter stretch from the middle of the quarter to the end was the whole lead, basically, for the Pacers, whose biggest lead was 29 to get it done. And that lineup I just described was a big part of it. The bench got the lead extended a little bit right before that, but that group really broke it open. And, of course, Hal Burton is the engine that makes that all go. He's got the connection with Heald. He's got the connection with Top, and He's got the connection with Turner. He's working on it with Matherin. But all five of those guys are threats to score and threats to score in different ways. And that group... Uh, did awesome in this game. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that if the Pacers can find a way to actually make it a thing that happens every game, especially for a consistent amount of time. But it was so far and away the Pacers' best group in this game. They only had one their lineup with a plus-minus of better than plus-10, and that's that second unit group I talked about that was good at the start of the second quarter, which was TJ McConnell, Bruce Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Ben Shepard, and Jalen Smith. And like I said, I liked that unit with Bruce Brown as a secondary creator. Lots more notes I want to get to from this game, including on some of the guys I just said, some of the guys who didn't play so well, the defense and the fouling popping up as an issue once again. We'll get to all that to close out today's show after, after I tell you guys about the great people over at the Game Time app, which I have used before to buy tickets to a New York Liberty game, and you should buy use it too because buying tickets should not be frustrating. You should not have to worry about getting tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They've got last-minute tickets. They've got flash deals. They have zone deals, and it's super easy to find and buy tickets for every event in your area. When I got Liberty tickets, it took me two minutes, and I could see the seat view on there, which was really clutch because I like kind of like sitting on like the angled seats off the baseline sometimes. It was perfect. Seeing the view from your seat is great, so you know exactly what you're going to get. The all-in price was great. No hidden fees at the end. You can buy your tickets in seconds with just two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Down the GameTime app. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, jump on over to Lockdown Sixers if you're interested in the latest on James Harden, who did not play in Brooklyn on Monday, despite speaking to the media earlier this week. Where will that go? I don't know. But maybe the Lockdown Sixers guys know. Keith Pompey will be all over it. He crushes it over in Philadelphia. Let's close out talking more about Pacers Hawks 116-112 win for the Pacers. They are now 1 and 2 in preseason. Okay, a couple guys that I want to touch on a little bit and a couple things I want to touch on a little bit. So, the negative for the Pacers was there again the fouls. It was 5-0 in fouls like 2 seconds into the game. A lot of complaints in my X/Twitter whatever mentions about the refs. I didn't notice anything myself. Tyrese Halbert goes 
after the game, he said, you know, we could say it was the refs, but five times, they're not going to mess up five times, maybe once. So even without that, it was 4-0 in fouls, and I don't care to discuss refereeing. They were failing too much again. 26 fouls for the Pacers. For reference, the Hawks had 18. The Hawks had 27 free throw attempts. The Pacers had 18. That is still a big problem for the Pacers. Turner is is like not the best at avoiding fouls. Sometimes his are good fouls, like to stop a layup, but six, he fouled out in 15 and a half minutes, which was a problem because he played pretty well. He shot it great. His defense was solid. He had three blocks, but he fouled like crazy, right? Benedict Matherin had four fouls, three for Jalen Smith, three for Aaron Neesmith. They talked after the game. A lot of them are like reaching in after they get beat or dumb baseline fouls. Like they just got to clean these up. It's, it's the low, it's not low hanging fruit because it's been difficult for them, but it's been such a problem. Like even today, I think some of their defensive principle stuff they want to do was on display in a good way, right? Something they've talked about a lot is limiting threes. They really want to take away the three from their opponent. The Hawks had 12 free throw or three point attempts, excuse me, at halftime, 26 for the whole game. That's crazy. The Pacers almost doubled them up on three point attempts. It's hard to win that way as an opponent, but the easy way to overcome that is to get a billion more free throw attempts like the Hawks did in this game. And the Hawks also won on the glass that the Pacers saved their balance by never turning it over. Only 12 in this game. That's fantastic for the Pacers. But the fouls and some some they're coming from a lot of defensive miscues really killed them, despite some better signs of life, at least, on defense today. But the taking the threes away thing I, I wanted to include, I thought that was really interesting. Um, ben Shepard, man, that kid, that kid can play. I talked about it already, but just to get to it again, the way he just moves around the perimeter like Buddy Heald-esque and does those ghost screens and gets to his spots and catches, confidently shoots quickly, that is such a valuable skill. If he can be a movement shooter who gets him up quickly and when he's open in actual NBA games and continue to shoot 37 or better percent every game, that's a that's a good player. That's maybe a day one rotation player, which takes me to my next point, which is both a positive and a negative. We're now three games in to the Pacers' preseason experience. A lot of questions hoping to be answered is about who is going to play and who's not, and what does that mean for the long-term future of the Pacers? How do they balance the, the present and the future? And I have a note from this game. That just says, who the heck is going to play for this team? And that is because of some stuff I've already said and some notes I will include now. Starting with TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell today. 20 minutes, 3 for 5 from the field, 9 assists, 1 steal. Right? Played great. Got to his spots in the paint, hit those little fadeaways, got other guys the ball in their favorite spots where they were attacking, was a pest on defense. Typical TJ McConnell stuff. He was awesome. He has totally done his job all preseason and looked good at the same time. Jalen Smith has done awesome. Ben Shepard has been great. Those three guys have made cases for minutes. And yet, I still feel like Jarris Walker should play in the rotation for the Pacers in the regular season. And oh, by the way, Andrew Nemhart hasn't played a minute yet. And he's going to play, right? He's going to be in the rotation. Today, their top 10 was, was Brown, Toppin, Top 10 in terms of like guys who played in the competitive portion of the game, a.k.a. the first half. And this is their top 10 in minutes. Brown, Toppin, Turner, Mather, and Halbert in the starters. And then Heald, Jalen Smith, Aaron Neesmith, TJ McConnell, Ben Shepard. So if you introduce Walker to that, Walker played 14 minutes and 8 seconds. If you introduce Walker to that, you have to remove somebody. And then you put Nembhard and you have to remove somebody else. So the Nembhard person you think about removing is TJ McConnell. But he's been really good in the preseason. It's really going to be hard to remove him even though I still think that's probably the right choice. And then Shepard's the other guy you'd think about removing 
for Walker, but he's also been good and has proved that he's earned minutes. And Jalen Smith, the other guy you could consider moving out to get Walker back up five, he's also been good. Like it's not, it's going to be, it's gotten harder, I think, for the Pacers to make these decisions because everybody's been good. It's it hasn't been any key awesome separators so far. And maybe the answer is Walker doesn't play that much, and I think that it would be a mistake. I think that would be a big mistake. But I, I guess if the Pacers say we're all in on winning right now. We're not playing the rookies as much. I guess that might be the answer they go with. I don't think that's the right answer. But, I mean, who the heck is going to play? Everybody has answered the call, except for Isaiah Jackson, really, who has been outplayed by Jalen Smith. And that is going to be very tricky, I think, for the Pacers to deal with in the coming weeks, is figuring this out, finally fixing their tiebreakers, getting it all sorted out. Uh, Jackson, speaking of, uh, was the, the third center today. Daniel Tice did not play. In fact, really quickly, Kendall Brown did not play. He's on a two-way. Oscar Shiba did not play. He's on a two-way. Isaiah Wong played five minutes at the end, but with Nemhard out, I think that's just they need they need depth at the one. But notably not playing. Oh, Nemhard didn't play. Of course, he's hurt. Notably not playing. Daniel Teich did not play. Coach this is the only non-two-way or non-injured player that that applied to. I think he is the bottom of the center pecking order right now, which I suppose makes sense. Um but then also you wonder, okay, if they're thinking long-term with the bigs, should Walker be playing? That doesn't matter. But either way, we did get some clarity with the back of fives. Jackson today did once again show that's the, the thing that I always talk about with him. He was switched on to Kobe Bufkin a couple times and did a good job. He like slid with him and made him pass and deterred him from shooting. And then he was on a big late in the game. It didn't go as well. Like he is like Bruno. I think it was Bruno Fernando. Like he's just better on perimeter guys than bigs. He always will be to me. And that's one of the trickier parts about playing him and playing who you play next to him and how that all cross matches is like, he's just got to be better on post players. And he uh, being able to defend guards. Well, is a positive skill. I don't think Jackson played a bad game, but in general, I think that's always been something I talked about with him. And that was once again on display in this game. Uh, that's all my notes I have run through from this game. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out as the week progresses. Fun to see the Pacers uh, play at home and in person for the first time of the season. And we'll have plenty more to talk about with this team as the week progresses. Tomorrow's show, Shane Young is going to join us for our yearly Look around the league, predicting the top eight in both conferences and in the East where the Pacers fit in, plus a few awards predictions and, of course, where the Pacers fit in. Can they get involved in any of the award discussions this coming season? Thursday, special guest, can't say who. Uh, You'll see when the time comes. And then Friday, we're previewing the Cavs game, the final preseason game, and hopefully in that game we'll get the final answers to all the questions that the Pacers are trying to answer in preseason and beyond as they enter a fun but sort of critical to their growth season where they blend the short and long term. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. I've had a lot of fun interacting with people with actual games to talk about now. Lots of stuff coming this week. Next week, the regular season is rolling. We've got a lot coming here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you soon.